0: Hello to all my fellow 101 History Podcast listeners out there. I hope that for those of you who are Buccaneers fans that you were uh, pleased with the results that you got last night. Um, Even though my team, the Steelers, uh, didn't make it very far in the playoffs, I was under the assumption that last night's Super Bowl would have been a very, very uh, close game from start to finish. Obviously, the um, outcome uh, proved uh, different. Uh, sometimes that's what happens when you have um, two, what appears to be on paper, two evenly matched teams. But then when they play against one another in an actual game, um, sometimes the opposite ends up happening like what like what took place last night. But uh, life goes on. And uh, for you Chiefs fans, uh, hopefully uh, you all will be able to redeem yourselves again um, down the road. But at least you all did break your curse from the previous season. Um which was, a, which was definitely a good thing. But here we are again uh, discussing um, Bruce Chadwick's I Am Murdered, uh, George Wythe, Thomas Jefferson, and the killing that shocked a new nation. We are now gonna be discussing um, in part one, uh, we're gonna be in part one for a while, but, um, but we're gonna be discussing about uh, the funeral. That is George Wythe's funeral. Hard to believe that uh, someone so beloved and revered like George Wythe would meet a uh, tragic fate. But anyways, our 1st leadoff question is the following. Uh, how long would George Wythe last after having first been poisoned on May 25th of 1806? He lived uh, two weeks. In other words, he lived another two weeks... And uh, would die on Sunday, June the eighth. As for his, uh, as for the student he uh, mentored, being Michael Brown, he survived um, just one week after first being poisoned. And as for Lydia Broadnecks, uh who was uh, George With's uh, personal servant, whom had, whom had worked with. Um, with for uh, quite some time, since the early 1780s. Although uh, Lydia Broadnax herself survived, did, did she ever fully recover? Uh, the answer is no, she didn't. Um, the poison that she um, I don't know if I'd say inhaled is the right word, but the poison that uh, entered through her body over time did cause permanent damage in her eyesight. You know, we forget that even when one gets poisoned, yes, it, it impacts the um, obviously the, the um, tissues and um, organs as well as the heart inside one's body. but we do forget that poison poisoning alone can cause um, damage um, to one's eyesight. And while, yes, this is something that Lydia Brodnack's, um struggled with for the rest of her life, fortunately enough, down later on down the road, Thomas Jefferson, given that he was one of George Wythe's um, most successful uh, law students at William & Mary, one of many, rather, I should say, Jefferson was kind enough to help assist her in paying um, whatever she was unable to um uh, pay uh medical bill wise now and and believe it folks uh, believe it or not folks even in 18th and 19th century times people did have to pay for um for doctor's visits uh they weren't free you paid with what you had you paid with what you had on you when you had it but for some people they simply were unable to Perhaps pay their bills and to pay their medical bills in a timely manner. So, obviously, for Miss Lydia Broadnecks, uh, her resources were very limited. But thank heavens, uh, Thomas Jefferson was compassionate enough to come forward and help her assist with whatever medical bills were still outstanding. And I do believe that Mr. Wythe would have um, applauded um, his. Um, he probably would have still referred to jefferson as his young uh protege or student but i believe mr with would have been very um humbled by thomas jefferson's uh gesture or let alone um service in return to assisting those uh less fortunate after all that's what george with um demonstrated uh compassion after all with towards the end of his life wanted Slavery abolished. He he saw the institution as very evil. So uh, another question to think about is the following: Here, uh, given how shocking George Wythe's death was to all of Richmond, which individual in particular took Wythe's passing very hard? I don't think this should be a hard one, but I'll tell it. I'll tell the answer: Thomas Jefferson. How so? Well, I think I believe there are a variety of reasons for why Jefferson took the loss so hard, but I can name you all a couple right here. Well, for starters, uh, Thomas Jefferson saw George Wythe as a father-like figure. After all, Jefferson lost his dad at the age of 14 in 1757. And of course, a few years later, Jefferson goes off to college. But Jefferson, um, prior to going off to college, had struggled to be able to find um, another role model figure that was the equivalent to his father, who was a very prominent uh, surveyor in Virginia, being uh, Mr. Peter Jefferson. So, coming to William and Mary changes all that for Jefferson when he gets uh, acquainted with uh, George Wythe. Jefferson also saw Mr. Wythe as someone he could look to for guidance, as well as seeing Mr. With as someone of a uh, personal uh, confidant um, stature or status. So yes, uh, for Thomas Jefferson, um, George With's uh, death is a real um, hard pill to swallow. You know, none of us live forever, but it's one thing to die from old age or natural causes, but to die from as a result of murder that's not the way any of us would want to go did george with ask for that to be hap- ask for that to happen no he didn't but sadly it did happen and as we all know even in colonial times uh, murder itself was very unheard of but it did happen from time to time and when it did happen it it sent shockwaves throughout the community as i mentioned from the previous uh, podcast episode so many of you all are wondering how does who informs Thomas Jefferson of uh, George Wythe's passing? And as a matter of fact, in 1806, Thomas Jefferson is already into um, the fifth year of his uh, presidency, given that he is a president of the United States. Now we also should keep in mind um, that news how news travels. In 19th century times and even in 18th century, the news didn't travel as quickly as it does uh, in today's um, um, fast-paced technological world. By the time anybody got the news in the 18th and 19th century, the incidents or the events themselves had already taken place. And by the time you got your newspaper, your news might as well have been two weeks old. However, you were just glad to know, not so much glad to know, you were um, happy to uh, know that you still had a newspaper to look at. You were glad to know that there was stuff being covered. Some of it may not have been pleasant, but nonetheless, you were still happy to know that there, um, that there was uh, stuff going on. Now, given that Thomas Jefferson is president of the United States, he is in Washington, D.C., and I think all of us should be reminded that the, our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. was not always in D.C. It started out in New York when George Washington became president, and then by the time, or just before John Adams becomes president, the capital um, moves, relocates to Philadelphia, and then at the end of Adams' presidency, that's when uh, the capital relocates to Washington, D.C., where it still stands uh, to this present day, even in the most trying of um, times that our nation has faced, um, especially with what took place at the Capitol uh, last month. Jefferson, uh, before I get to this part, so who will go about informing Jefferson of Wythe's death? It turns out it would be Mayor William Duvall, Richmond mayor, rather, I should say. Jefferson revered with so much that he had given the judge and remember he was still a judge on the Virginia uh, chancery court leading right up to until his death Jefferson revered Mr. With so much that he had given the judge personal copies of the declaration of independence not and here's a kicker, it's not the final copy or the final touches to the Declaration of Independence as we know um, today, but he actually gave George with a first draft copy of the Declaration of Independence. For those of you who are wondering, um, how many uh, revisions did it take until the final um, version of the Declaration of Independence as we know it today how many um, revisions were required, or not so much were required, but rather took place? 86. I, I think it's fair to say Jefferson must have been a nervous wreck the entire time, but he also benefited from the wisdom of John Adams and uh, Benjamin Franklin, who really um, helped him um, from start to finish. But nonetheless, uh, Jefferson gave Mr. With a copy of the Declaration of Independence in its first draft as well as a copy of the Religious Bill of Rights for Virginia. After all, one of the, uh, after all, Thomas Jefferson, uh, wanted. there were three things, folks, he wanted to be remembered for when he passed on or passed away. Number one was the, uh, the author of the Declaration of Independence. Number two, uh, the founding father for the Virginia Statutes of Religious Freedoms. And third, the founding father of the University of Virginia. Another thing that he um, gave uh, George Wythe was uh, a copy of the Constitution of Virginia. All of these documents, which Jefferson authored, or wrote himself. So that does have a lot of sentimental value, but this can all be attributed to um, Wythe's presence in Jefferson's life. Not just from William and Mary days, but in the life that Jefferson um, was able to pursue after college. How would word itself have gotten out about Wythe's death and funeral services in 19th century time? Well, I talked about newspapers earlier, and that's the answer right there, newspaper. Now, how many newspapers did Richmond have? They had two. You had the Richmond Inquirer and the Virginia Argus. Most towns and cities folks only had about one newspaper, but when you had two or more, that was moving on up. Now, Given the day that George Wythe died, being on June 8th of 1806, clergymen from all religious denominations had their church bells ring loudly in the aftermath of his death. You know, for a long time, folks, you know, Virginia was only affiliated with one church, the Anglican Church or the Church of England. But it is fair to say that in the years after the American Revolution, in the years after the American Revolutionary War broke out, and after the war ended, that religious diversity in Virginia started improving. It didn't happen overnight, but it definitely improved so, thanks in large part to Thomas Jefferson's uh, Virginia Statutes of Religious Freedom, which basically called for an elimination of church and state, or what I should call a separation of church and state. But it is good to know that, um, even in the most unfortunate of circumstances, that, uh, that uh, all religious denominations that were in existence at this time all came together and, um, and went about having their church bells ring loudly in the aftermath of Mr. With's death. What was another name for uh, Common Hall? It's another name for, uh, in this case, for Richmond City Council. They were the ones who would go about planning Mr. With's funeral. Now, you know, planning a funeral for someone like George With was no easy chore. After all, this man is so well revered and respected by everyone in Richmond one of the first steps that the common hall or the city council goes about doing is uh, requiring that there be 30 official days of mourning along with the funeral being open to all richmonders and anyone else who um, lived outside of virginia but yet knew mr with directly as a matter of fact there's one fella that mr with himself taught law to he attended william and mary He was probably one of uh, Mr. Wythe's last um, unique protege-type protege protege students who um, went on to have a stellar political career. Does the name Henry Clay ring a bell? It should. After all, Henry Clay hailed from Ashland, Virginia, and he would become a United States Senator. Before he became a United States Senator, he would be... um, a congressman from Kentucky who would serve as the um, Speaker of the House and then became a U.S. Senator from the Bluegrass State. And in case many of y'all didn't know, there is a town in Kentucky outside of Lexington known as Ashland, which is named in honor of where Henry Clay hailed from being Ashland, Virginia. So Henry Clay... um, as a good example of someone, of anyone else, besides uh, not being um, a Richmonder, that the funeral service was open, and more than likely Henry Clay would have, been, um, would have been someone who would have attended. It was also required that everyone wore black armbands during a 30-day mourning period. And we must remember that uh, black itself obviously represented a sign of death, on the other hand, though, in the court system, um, when the, uh, in the early days of, of our republic's existence, when the United States Supreme Court uh, first convened, they find the judges uh, agreed to wear uh, black robes, and the reason for that was because uh, black represents uh, neutrality in the court system. Now, uh, prior to Wiff's death, or let alone funeral, The only other time where people wore black armbands was when George Washington passed. Now, George Washington's passing was a big event, too, but it turns out that his funeral wasn't the same as George Wythe's. His funeral service was more private, but it was the only other time where people wore black armbands. Now, on June 10th of 1806, Mr. Wythe's body laid in state where people from all walks of life came to pay their final respects at Richmond's Hall of Delegates, located on the top of Shaco Hill. What I'm trying to tell you all here, folks, is I'm trying to give you all a good understanding of just how uh, deeply impacted everyone in Richmond just how deep of an impact everyone is undergoing in Richmond. In other words, people from all walks of life revered Mr. With. Mr. With didn't frown upon people. He always treated everyone with the proper dignity and respect that they deserved, just like in the same way he would have wanted to have been treated in return. But we must keep in mind, too, that just because Mr. With is a man of high um, profile, it doesn't mean that his funeral service is only going to be confined to those who are of uh, one uh, particular class status. We must keep that in mind. Now, June eleventh, eighteen 1806, will be the day of Mr. With's funeral. The funeral takes place at the Hall of Delegates, and everyone in attendance, of course, wears black armbands, now I'm sure most of you are wondering did Thomas Jefferson remain did Thomas Jefferson attend the funeral? No, he 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 didn't. And it wasn't because he didn't want to attend. He was um having to um you know, he and Congress were having to uh, keep the government running. And we must keep in mind too that um we didn't have any form of, uh, what call it, high-speed rail back then. We didn't have an airplane or, a, or let alone a helicopter like Marine One that could get Mr. Jefferson from Washington to Richmond right away. He could have probably left the day after uh, learning of Wythe's passing away, but we must keep in mind, too, that even uh, a journey from Washington to Richmond in this in the 19th century by horse and buggy would have probably been about three or four days at best we do know, uh, historians rather do know, that it probably took him on average about three days to get from uh, Monticello to D.C. by horse and buggy. And also, too, we we have to keep in mind, too, that uh, people back then couldn't travel as freely like most of us can do now, despite a a global pandemic that has um, altered uh, traveling. But we also should keep in mind, too, that when... um, that. uh, like diseases for example like smallpox um, malaria these were diseases that um that did impact uh people's ability to travel when um when they when these diseases were rampant so more often than not when uh congress knew of these uh diseases or they knew that an outbreak was potential Many of them, um, not not many of them, all of them um, left uh, D.C. to go elsewhere um, until it was safe to return. So it's probably fair to say that Jefferson himself probably had to uh, go somewhere else to do his version of quarantining. Um, but the bottom line is, is that um, Mr. Jefferson, I know, would have liked to have been at with funeral, but other circumstances held him uh, back. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't in mourning. He was, so, you know, I, many of you all who have been listening have mentioned, have heard me mention just how frequently um, Jefferson revered With. So who's going to be delivering the eulogy then to Mr. Um, in remembrance of Mr. With? It turns out it's going to be another um, another fella who was a law student of With's. As a matter of fact, he may have been just as intelligent as Mr. Jefferson himself. When I first read this book about two years ago, I remember reading about this fella, but I did, it didn't really um, kick in, in in terms of this fella's name until just recently, and I decided to do some research on this fella who delivered the eulogy at Wyss' funeral. His name is William Munford. That doesn't sound like the most prominent of... Um, of Virginia names. In other words, Munford may not be up there with Bird, Randolph, Custis, Lee, uh, Carter, but it turns out that William Munford did hail from Virginia's south side um, region, being uh, Mecklenburg County. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering where Mecklenburg County is, it's right on the Virginia-North uh, Carolina line. It's also not far from uh, the counties that border Mecklenburg or uh, Lunenburg, uh, Halifax, uh, Pittsylvania counties, but um, Mecklenburg, I should also point out, that is also named um, in honor of where uh, King George III's wife, Queen Charlotte, uh, hailed from in Germany. She was of uh, German uh, descent, and she hailed from uh, Mecklenburg, Germany. So that's where we get uh, Mecklenburg County. We also have uh, Charlotte County, which is a part of Southside, Virginia, which is named in honor of uh, Queen Charlotte. So as for William Munford, who uh, delivered the eulogy, William Munford was a student at William & Mary. And tragically, his father died while he was attending school at uh, William & Mary, and what do you know? A fellow by the name of Mr. George With came to to young William Mumford's aid, and provided for his continuing educational studies. Without Mr. With's presence, young William would have been unable to finish to finish out his studies. So, what do you know? Mr. With was the was the right person at the right time to help oversee that young William Munford remain at William & Mary, and and still be able to pursue a career, not just in law, but perhaps politics, but all, but most importantly of all, to become a well-rounded, education, educated person, just like Thomas Jefferson became, as well as John Marshall, Henry Clay, and even another fellow named James Monroe, whom uh, George Wythe mentored. So, what I find interesting is that um, in 1806, William Munford was 31 years of age. So he's much younger than Thomas Jefferson. Turns out that Munford was born in 1775, the same year that shots heard round the world were fired at Lexington and Concord, Massachusetts. Ironically, 1775 was also the same year that the Second Continental Congress convened in Philadelphia. So, I think it's fair to say Mr. William Munford was born at a very uh, unique uh, time in our young, or soon to be, um, United States' as history, because in 1775, we're still considered colonial America. Now, it turns out that in the year 1790, uh, George Wythe did step down from the head professor of law, but William Munford did finish out his studies under St. George Tucker, I do believe that William Munford and Thomas Jefferson were perhaps the two most loyal, were perhaps the two most loyally devoted students whom studied under George With. There were others who probably were just as loyal and devoted, but perhaps uh, With and perhaps Jefferson and Munford hold that, that most uh, elite um, distinction, or honor, I should say. Now. You know, it's one thing to give a eulogy at a funeral. And you certainly want to, um, when one delivers a eulogy, you want to make sure it's nothing but positive um, things or positive words, positive memories, to honor the deceased person. Well, Mr. William Munford did just that. And he addressed a variety of um, topics, or not just topics, but a variety of um of unique accomplishments that Mr. Wythe achieved. They ranged from his high high level of patriotism, or let alone his his ardent passion for patriotism, to being on stage amongst a handful of other prominent men whom valued life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness during the Revolutionary War. Most notably, he was on that same stage as John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, the student he, whom he taught. He was on that same stage as Samuel Adams, uh, to other um, men like Roger Sherman of Connecticut, uh, Robert Livingston of New York, to Arthur Middleton of South Carolina. He was He was in a very, very um, elite uh, playing field. but it didn't end there as William Munford, has meant as william Munford um noted, or not just so much noted but what Bruce Chadwick points out, Chadwick also notes that Munford also emphasized the the role that um Mr. with played in seventeen eighty seven at Philadelphia for the constitutional convention, as well as the beginning years of our nation's republic. with saw it all folks, but there was one thing with was determined. And that was to see to it that our country was able to um, become something. In other words, no longer would it be a country that was fledgling under a failed system of government, being the Articles of Confederation, which pretty much gave the states all the power and left the national government out in the dust to dry. Mr. With believed in a strong central government, one that... Um, it's not so much, you know, what the government had power over, but he, be- he wanted a government that actually was relevant to the people and not one that would just sit back and let 13 states dictate the show. Mr. Munford also told the crowd how dedicated Mr. With was to public service and that mentoring young men and along with mentoring young men like himself. He also reminded the audience that acts of kindness were not to be taken for granted, and that should still be the same today. Nothing should be taken for granted in life. However, we all do get caught up in, in moments throughout life where we do uh, take certain things for granted, but I think it's fair to say we we all then um, we all get returned back to where we started when something does happen that's not for the better. But then we are fortunate enough if we use our time wisely, we can learn from those mistakes and then realize, hey, this is not something I should take for granted going forward. But as for acts of kindness, no, those should not acts of kindness in general should not be taken for granted. But Remember, too, folks, good deeds in general can be abused. And that's what Mr. Um, Munford did mention in his eulogy, that good deeds can always have the potential to be abused. And the person whom was, and he didn't say this, but this is how I summed it up, and the person whom was the recipient to his great-uncle's hospitality now became the primary suspect. Who is that, folks? We've mentioned his name. We haven't mentioned it in this podcast until, until uh, coming up here now. George With Sweeney, Mister George With's grandnephew. So, given that George With Sweeney is the primary suspect, and now that his great uncle is dead, perhaps at the expense of Mister Sweeney's own flesh and blood. What does George Wythe's death represent to us now, folks? If we were alive in eighteen o six, what would what could we see his death now as? Not just portraying, but what could we see it now as a loss of innocence? Kind of like how when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated in nineteen sixty three, for my parents, that was their nine eleven but there was a lot there was a huge amount of uh, innocence lost when jfk was assassinated but not to get off track but when george with died a loss of innocence did happen it had to do with trust and respect in other words wherever mr with went in richmond and the same for williamsburg people respected him and he return the favor too, so therefore there was a sense of trust, mutual trust amongst two parties. But when it comes to trust and respect, folks, can that be taken from us? Absolutely. Can it be taken away from us from within? Sure. That is from within the inner, um, from within an inner circle. It can mean families. It, it can mean um friends. Some, a lot of times we hear of stories where business partners betray um, another associate's uh, trust by embezzling, stealing money. It does happen. It doesn't make it right, but it does. But that's a betrayal of trust. But this betrayal of trust doesn't always happen from within. It also happens from uh, the outside as well. And it's very easy to assume that um, oftentimes when trust gets broken, it's from and from the outside being a random stranger takes advantage of someone from within the community so this loss of innocence here involving trust and respect to sum it up is in my opinion is it's not confined to one side it's confined to both from within as well as outs as well as the outside of a community's confines confines meaning the boundaries Had Virginia as a state seen a funeral service like the one before them previously? No, never before had the state performed such an honorary farewell for someone who is as beloved and revered like George With. With's funeral procession, I should point out, for his final burial would be a three-mile journey from Shaco Bottom District all the way up to St. John's Episcopal Church, and of course, it wasn't that long ago, back in 1775, just 30 years before Mr. With sadly passed away, another prominent Virginian made his mark by delivering a famous speech at St. John's uh, Episcopal Church. I remember seeing this speech many, many years ago when I was a youngster, but the fellow's name was Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry delivered a very, very powerful speech, and he was inspired from it by uh, a famous um, philosopher, Roman philosopher, that is named Cato. As a matter of fact, um, Cato would be the most popular um, English um, play in the 18th century. As a matter of fact, it was one of George Washington's uh, favorite plays, But the reason I mention Cato is because Patrick Henry took some of uh, Cato's language and incorporated it into his uh, speech. And what I do know from Patrick Henry's speech is this. I know not what course others shall take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. What do you think he was referring to when he said give me liberty or give me death? He was talking about being free from oppression that is being free from such things as taxation without representation he wanted to be free from from um, improper um, consent in other words if he wants if he wanted consent he would rather talk to someone above him first who would represent not only his interests but that of the community and the nation as a whole. Those who were in Parliament who were loyal to the crown did not care about the the interests of the colonists. All they care about was imposing measures upon them without their consent. That's just an example right there. But it turns out that Patrick Henry passed away seven years before George Wythe. So this would be where Mr. With, With, Mr. With's burial would take place. As a matter of fact, Patrick Henry is also Patrick Henry is not buried at Saint John's Episcopal Church. He is actually buried at a place called um, Red Hill in um, Charlotte County. Now, considering that With's funeral drew mass crowds of people from all different statuses, which group, which group will be discussed greatly throughout this book? Uh, And the reason I'm going to tell you now is because you will hear these names, the names of these people, a lot. They are the medical profession, the doctors, whom were of high-profile status in Richmond. These three doctors had performed with autopsy, being Dr. James McClurg, Dr. James McCaw, and Dr. William Fauci, or Fauci. Dr. Fauci, not, not to confuse it with Dr. Anthony Fauci, but his name was Dr. William Fauci, or Fushi. One way or another, the pronunciation sounds uh, good enough. <laughs> but Dr. Fushi was one of George Wythe's uh, private doctors. These three men, um, basically for these three men, they have um, their fate is, is going to be make it or break it. And we're going to learn more um, about these men in the next uh, podcast, but we will also learn a great deal about them later on down the road when it comes to learning about the actual autopsy that took place. We certainly do hope, though, that the medical profession will listen to, will listen to everyone who was involved in this unfortunate um, tragedy, but we will also hope that the medical profession got their facts straight. Now, is it fair to say that uh, George Wythe himself began showing signs of frailty within the last few years before tragically passing away so unexpectedly? Believe it or not, the answer is yes. There were those who saw signs of him being forgetful to moments of unorganization, but in the eyes of many. With still appeared alert and remained very active considering his position as judge, to, to the, as judge on the Virginia Chancery Court. So, yes, he may have had moments where he did forget. He may have had his moments where he wasn't as alert. It could be fair to say that maybe he did have very, very early stages of dementia. But, of course, they, had, they didn't know anything about that in that day and time. And they wouldn't know about that stuff until much later on down the road. We're talking probably folks at least maybe another, uh, somewhere well over another hundred years before we would get to, um, say, what dementia and Alzheimer's was all about. Of course, my father even told me when he was growing up as a child that um, an elder uh, family relative of his, I think it was like a great-aunt, but uh, someone in the family was up there in age and was starting to forget things and as the way my dad described it was that in in those days being in the 1950s and probably in the early 60s as, as well that individual would have had what what they referred to at the time was hardening of the arteries in other words the body was slowing down it wasn't as um as vigorous maybe as it once as it once used to be which would have also meant that the mind wasn't all there like it had been before, so it could have been very well. It could have been very fair to have said that perhaps Mister With had a case of hardening of the arteries. On the other hand, I'm not a doctor. I, I'm just giving you an example of what, of what, um, of a fair interpretation of the time. But given the fact that George With is still on the Virginia Chancery Court, leading up to his. Unfortunate passing in 1806 is remarkable unto itself, considering that the man is 80 years old. Now, to close out this uh, session, I'm going to say, mention the following to you all. The mass crowds at Wythe's funeral, to William Munford's displeasure of George With Sweeney, and he didn't mention Wythe's grandnephew by name when delivering the eulogy, but Mr. Munford alone, as brilliant of a eulogy that he gave, I think it's fair to say that he was hurting like mad deep down inside. He wanted, Mr. He wanted young George With Sweeney to pay for his um, for his crime. Who wouldn't have in Richmond? So the funeral, given that the, there were mass crowds at With's funeral, along with William Munford's powerful eulogy it's fair to say that all this was galvanizing enough to where justice itself had to be administered without fail. And in order for that to be done, obviously, in order for justice to be fully administered, it would be the only way to keep Mr. With's memory, let alone his legacy alive, so that it would never fade away from all of those whose lives were touched by him. In other words, nobody wanted Mr. With to die in vain. In other words, we know. I mean, Mr. With's legacy cannot be um, tarnished. I mean, the man was not associated with any kind of scandal. He was not associated with anything illegal. The, I mean, the bottom line is, Mr. With, um, even as a lawyer if there was one thing he refused to do, was to take on someone who was dishonest. In other words, represent anybody who showed signs of dishonesty. If he had done that, then he knew that his character alone had potential to be damaged. So Mr. With was a very self-conscious person who wanted to, yes, make sure that everyone got fair representation, that everyone had potential to do well, but he didn't believe in any kind of loopholes in other words, cutting corners, engaging in activity that was reckless. In other words, if, you're, if you want to be successful, you've got to do everything the right way. That's law-abiding. Well, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, and let's keep in mind, folks, that even in the 18th and 19th centuries, there were grand funerals for people. Mr. With was one of those who did deserve a grand funeral. And even if he hadn't died tragically, he still would have gotten a grand funeral. After all, even when George Washington died, there were many who said that he was in the first—he was first in the hearts of his fellow countrymen, first in the hearts of everyone. I think it's fair to say that George Wythe could have been in the could have been first in the hearts of his fellow people. After all, the man gave so much in return to those whom who needed leadership whether it was in the law in, in the courtroom to leadership in the political arena with was just one of those fellows who didn't miss out on anything well when i'm back on the air again next with you all we're going to talk about the um we're going to talk about part 1 of the uh, homicide investigation report because um after all folks you know it's one thing now to have had this funeral we've got to start an investigation. We've got to start finding out, okay, what happened, who witnessed what. So that's where we're going to get into the nitty-gritty detail. Well, take care, and I look forward to being back on the air again here soon. You all stay safe. You all stay safe and thank you for um, listening. And if you if any of you who have been listening to my podcast for some time know of people who would like to um, start their own podcasts, c- tell them to come to Anchor. The opportunities are limitless. It's free, and so many good things um, have come my way um, on Anchor. The same can be the same can be said for anyone else as well. So thank you for listening, and I look forward to um, your all uh, being back on the air again with me. Take care and stay safe.